latest in the Boba News podcast series. I'm your host, Kim Bremer, and today we're going to talk about labor. When it comes to costs on a dairy, labor costs rank near the top, and in some areas, those costs are about to go up. A newly proposed law in New York would create a 40-hour overtime threshold, aligning New York with California and Washington, who are also phasing in the 40-hour overtime limitation. Today, we're going to discuss this new law, plus other related labor policy issues with Tanya Vanslyke, who is Executive Director of the Northeast Dairy Producers Association. Tanya has been the Executive Director of the Northeast Dairy Producers Association, NEDPA, now for nearly a decade. NEDPA was established in 1993 to give Northeast Dairy Producers a united voice in pending environmental regulations on the horizon at that time. Over the past two decades, NEDPA has been a leader in this area for the dairy industry and continually broadens its scope to help members successfully seek opportunities and meet the challenges and demands of today's dynamic dairy industry. NEDPA member farms range in size from 170 cows to over 6,000, representing a total of nearly 227,000 dairy cows. In 2015, NEDPA leadership worked with partners to form an industry-wide collaborative work group called the Agriculture Workforce Development Council to address the ongoing employment education needs. And in the spring of 2019, the Grow New York Farms Coalition was formed, which Tanya had a key leadership role with. Tanya will highlight some of the challenges that agriculture has been facing due to the Farm Laborers Fair Labor Practices Act and the recent Farm Labor Wage Board recommendation on reducing overtime thresholds for dairy farmers and dairy workers in New York. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for having me today. So first and foremost, let's just start out. Can you bring us up to speed on the situation with labor policies in New York? Sure. So Kim, I think I need to start with a little bit of background on how we got to where we are today with the overtime threshold uh, so that folks and across the country can understand um, how we got here in New York. So in 2019, the Farm Labor Fair Labor Practices Act was passed in the state of New York. And, and, and that did a number of things. So um, all farm workers, including foreign visa workers, or as we know them, H-2A workers, uh, now currently since 2019 in New York state are paid overtime when they reach 60, over 60 hours in a calendar week. So that's something that, that was passed, signed by Governor Cuomo back in July of 2019. Um, and, and with that came, came some, some other items as well. Um, so day of rest. So there was a mandatory day of rest that came with the Farm Labor Fair Labor Practices Act. So employers must provide at least one 24-hour uh, consecutive day of rest in every calendar week. Uh, the employer must designate and notify the worker in advance of that day of rest whenever possible and ensure that the day off coincides when possible with uh, religious worship. Now that doesn't always happen because farm workers are permitted to voluntarily work on that day of rest or, or move that day of rest um, as long as it's put in writing. So employers must keep weekly records of hours worked as well as document, documenting um, the day of rest that employees choose to work. Uh, the Farm Labor Fair Labor Practices Act also gave um, assurance for un unemployment insurance to farm workers, workers' compensation insurance, disability and paid family leave, and also the big one, the right to organize. So it's important to understand that background, Kim, because we feel in New York, like the agricultural community negotiated back in 2018, 2019, um, the 60 hour overtime. So one of the things that got added at, at the ninth hour in this legislation was the creation of a wage board. 
And that wage board was pulled together. It's a three-person wage board. Um, the chair is designated by the Commissioner of Labor in New York. The AFL-CIO has a designee, which is our labor unions. And then New York Farm Bureau had a, their designee, which is our, our New York Farm Bureau president, David Fisher, as well. So this three-person wage board has, has had two different um, sets of meetings to meet to determine whether the 60-hour threshold is, is appropriate. So again, I might remind you that we already negotiated 60 hours, so the agriculture community was left feeling um, very discouraged by this addition to the law because we had to then um, have farm workers and farm owners testify to talk about why the 60-hour threshold was important. So um, the wage board met again here in January. We had three hearings, and at the third hearing, they passed a motion, uh, a vote two to three. Of course, President Fisher opposed this motion that would recommend to the Commissioner of Labor in New York that they lower the threshold, the overtime threshold, to 40 hours over the next 10 years. So we are currently waiting for that official recommendation to come out by the Commissioner of Labor, and that's where we stand at this moment. So who originally really started driving this decision? This was driven by the worker advocates. We have a number of worker advocate, active worker advocate groups in the state of New York. Um, and they work, of course, with folks from across the country. I'll tell you, Kim, this really, the worker advocate groups um, in New York really got active. Ironically, when the New York Dairy LEP, the OSHA, local emphasis program was created because when that OSHA local emphasis program was created, um, it allowed for organizations and folks to apply for funding um, to do quote, quote, farm safety education on farms. And a lot of the advocate groups were successful in getting these funds. Um, and that's how they started uh, building relationships and having, um, having dialogue with farm workers across the state of New York. And, um, and so they've since, you know, um, continued to drive this. Now, was the agricultural community involved in how this wage board got set up? Because I listened to you talk about this wage board and I see how it could clearly always be a two to one vote on a three person board. No, we did not. As a matter of fact, there were other legislators, um, who had also been at the negotiating table and weren't made aware that this was going to happen. And they quickly tried to act and expand that wage board to a board of five um, and have, of course, the uh, agriculture and markets, the Department of Agriculture and Markets be involved since the Department of Labor was so involved and that never passed. So, um, so two things. One, we didn't feel like we had enough voice uh, in the wage board. And two, we feel like we were set up to have the decision that we currently have today. Now, how is this going to impact the dairy producers in New York? So it's going to impact all of agriculture, Kim, and, and obviously the dairy producers. Um, Farm Credit East has done uh, an economic impact study on the overtime for New York State agriculture. Um, and I would encourage any farmers listening today to go to the Farm Credit East website um, to their knowledge exchange reports and take a look at this because it's pretty impactful. So um, just a few statistics. So Farm Credit East estimates that reducing the overtime threshold for agriculture employees from 60 to 40 hours per week will result in increased labor costs um, for farms to be about 17%. Um, and this would be in addition 
to previously approved increases of minimum wage um, scheduled throughout the state of New York. Um, and then and in addition to that, when combined, when combined with past and scheduled future minimum wage increases, uh, Farm Credit East estimates that the manu mandatory overtime pay for agriculture employees in New York State would result in increased ag labor costs at approximately $264 million per year. This increase um, of labor costs resulting from the mandatory overtime of 40 hours when fully implemented with the minimum wage increases that are happening in the state of New York, um, it's estimated that the increase for farm labor will increase costs by 42%. So remember, um, in, in the state of New York, we do have a higher minimum wage than most states. But in addition to that, and I think you probably know this and farmers across the country know this, there's very few farms that are paying overtime um, because we have a skilled labor force. And so you can't keep workers when you're competing against other industries. So even at those cost estimates, many farms are paying above minimum wage. And so that percentage is gonna be, of course, a lot higher. What do you think this is going to do to labor availability for your farms? So we're in an interesting place, Kim. Um, we are already labor short as everybody is across the country. So we're labor short. Our farm workers have been engaged in this process. Many, many have said if their hours get cut to 40 hours, so if they, if they, get, um, if they get limited on hours, if employers limit hours, they will leave the state of New York. So we've already had that happen. When, when the overtime threshold went to 60, a lot of farms at that point um, limited hours so that there wouldn't be overtime. They limited hours to 60. And so we started to see farm workers leave the state of New York and head to states like Michigan and Wisconsin. So that's great for your farms, Kim, but not great for my New York farms. And, um, and so the farm workers have said, we cannot, we cannot afford to stay in New York if our hours are limited. So we're gonna continue to have labor shortages. We're likely gonna lose skilled labor in terms of how our farms feel. Um, our farms feel that this is, this is the unintended consequence of this overtime threshold uh, recommendation. It's going to actually hurt the very people it says it's going to help because workers, this is going to hurt their pocketbook and workers will leave. Um, and it's unfortunate because again, we, we negotiated at 60 and also there are work, farm workers in New York have the ability to unionize. So if they're not happy with their job, if they're not happy with their employer, they can choose to form a union or they could choose to leave. So there's that, that piece as well, Kim. So there are safeguards in place to help protect farm workers, even though they feel they're Correct. doing it with this policy. Correct. Yes. They, they have the ability to unionize today. That came with that 2019 decision. So labor unions have been recruiting. Um, they've been successful on Long Island, but they really haven't been successful upstate, which really speaks to the fact that our workers are, are pretty happy. Um, and are well cared for. So another unique thing that happens in New York, Kim, we have a lot of unique things that happen in New York, but um, in the state of New York, uh, the dairy side, a lot of farm workers um, have housing free of charge. And the reason is there is a, an old law on the books, 190-3 in the state of New York, that says farm employers cannot charge for housing unless they drop workers below minimum wage and, and use a housing allowance to bring them up to minimum wage. That housing allowance is valued at $5 a day for a single person or $8 a day for a family. So as you might imagine, 
nobody's paying their work, farm workers below minimum wage and in, in, in even being able to access how access that allowance. So what's happening is workers are being paid very good wages and um, many of them are getting housing free of charge because you cannot, you cannot uh, charge for that in the state of New York. And refresh my memory, Tanya, what are your minimum wage laws? Because they are different than other areas of the country. Um, so right now, I think we're at 1320 per hour. And then if, as you go toward the city in Long Island, that changes, Kim. So, um, so it is regional based. I think they're up to $15 an hour. Um, and so, so, so you have, you have the, the wage. And then, like I said, many, many entry-level farm workers, uh, milkers, um, and folks, um, single folks on our farms are, are often being given housing free of charge on top of, on top of that hourly wage. Now, New York is likely, if this passes, will join California and Washington with a 40-hour overtime threshold. Do you see potential for more states to adopt this policy? Because as someone coming to you from Wisconsin, I pay attention to what's happening in New York and California because policies tend to move towards the middle of the country. Do you see this moving? I think it, I think it will move. I think there are other states that are looking at this. Um, I think we all should be paying very close attention to what's happening on the West Coast um, and learn from that. There are some great articles that are out there um, that where farm workers talk about, in theory, they like the idea of, of overtime, but their hours are being limited and therefore it is impacting their pocketbooks. So it is impacting farm worker families currently. Um, and there's articles stating that. And I think everybody needs to be aware um, that what just happened in New, York, in New York and Washington, I think, in California is really empowerment. And there's a lot of things that we that um, other agricultural heavy states should be doing um, in order to help this from coming to you. <laughs> okay, well, and along those lines, that's my next question is, what can people in other regions be doing? You know, if you could go back, it seems when you look at policy in New York and how you got up to this point, you did a great job explaining it. Uh, what were things that could have helped earlier on in the process? So one of the things that we did proactively, um, Kim, is we formed that Ag Workforce Development Council, and that was really bringing a lot of industry folks together to start to work on positive workforce development. Um, even though we're where we are, are at today, um, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, which we're all still experiencing, and throughout all these labor changes, what we didn't have in New York was somebody at the university that was really helping employers understand the change in labor law and doing positive workforce um, programming. Our AWDC, that, as we call it, worked really hard um, to advocate for a position at Cornell University, Dr. Richard Stupp fills that position now. And, and he has been great at helping us um, with positive workforce development. So regardless of where we are at with the overtime today, um, making sure that there's a focus in your state on workforce development and agriculture is really important. Some other things that I might highlight. Um, one, be proactive. And I, and I know that we all hear this, but I want, I really want to emphasize this, write your own story when it comes to labor and workforce. I think because of the nature of the fact that the dairy industry doesn't have access to a guest worker program, we have been, um, we have not told our workforce story as loud and as well as we should have. 
And I think that that's been to our detriment in the state of New York in terms of where we are at today. So we talked about that Grow New York Farms Coalition. That's been a wonderful effort. It's been the industry coming together and really focusing on telling our story on workforce, on farm teams, um, and, and sharing the positive contributions that farms have to the state's economy. You have to do that. So we talked about this, this report that Farm Credit East has done. Cornell has done some reports. I would really, really encourage folks to make sure that you have you have that story to tell. What is the positive contribution that farms are making to your state's economy? What kind of rural impact are you having? Do you have rural impact studies done? Talk about food security and providing food locally. Let's not uh, lose sight of what happened in that pandemic and how important farmers were in, in getting food um, to uh, consumers within our states and beyond. And now I'm going to switch the with my political hat on, Kim. And and I'm going to say this, and I and I really hope that folks pay attention to this. Make sure that we're reaching across the aisles to build relationships. Get legislators out on your farms to meet and talk with your employees. Um, take to social media. Talk about your farm teams. Again, tell that good story. One of the things that we have not done a good enough job in New York, uh, Kim, that I think other states like like Wisconsin have done is starting a pack. Um, or making sure that you have a way to, you know, pool resources and be able to be engaged, politically engaged. Um, there was a recent article that came out in the Times Union in Albany that talks about New York being a pay-to-play state. Um, I think our industry has been a little bit behind in that in New York. I think we've really, we've really worked hard to build relationships, and we continue to, to work hard to build relationships. Um, but I think we're all looking at what is the next step for us? What do we need to do to be more politically engaged? Because of course we have a different dynamic in New York with so much power being in the city and all of us being upstate. So there's different needs and we've got to make sure that we continue to work hard to connect the upstate and downstate needs of one another. Where does H2A fit into this discussion for you? And do you see any hope on the horizon for reforming H2A so that it can be used by our dairy producers? I hope that we can reform H2A to be used by the dairy producers. Um, a number of years ago, a, a New York dairy farmer and, and I traveled to Washington, D.C. to meet with USDOL and Department of Agriculture to try to start a pilot program um, to get dairy into H2A. And we were we were unsuccessful and we continue to to try to drive home the need for um, dairy to have access to that guest worker program, to the H2A program. And we have to, we have to continue to work hard um, to make sure that that happens. And is there anything that anyone can do to support you and your efforts within New York? Uh, anything that people from around the country can do? I think that um, one of the things that could be helpful, Kim, um, is to message our governor. Um, Governor Hochul. So if you go to the New York, if you just Google messaging uh, Governor Hochul, you can send her a note and talk about the importance of agriculture um, to the United States and globally, and that um, New York, who is a top agricultural state, should not be driving agriculture out of the state of New York. So one of the things I didn't mention um, that was in the governor's executive budget that folks across the country may or may not have heard of is our governor is proposing in her executive budget that, um, that, that the state of New York offsets this overtime with a tax credit. 
And for us uh, in New York, for the farmers in New York, first of all, farmers, as you know, Kim, don't um, like to rely on government programs to uh, run our farms, first and foremost. Um, and, and secondly, it's very dangerous when you support bad policy with a tax incentive. And so um, we're very, very concerned that while we think, you know, her intentions are good to help support agriculture in the state of New York. Uh, what concerns us is offering a tax, a tax incentive that would help offset um, this overtime threshold could, could potentially sunset and at what point. And again, I mentioned that it's 10 years for us to get to the 40 hours. So a lot can happen between now and 10 years from now. And it's very concerning to us that the justification that our leadership in New York is taking to, um, to make this move is by offering a tax credit that, um, that I think is still not going to change farmers' minds about whether they stay in New York, whether they downsize, whether they leave New York, whether they change commodities. There's a lot of farms in New York that are... Um, analyzing amongst their farm families what their next steps are. And unfortunately, you know, some are talking about exiting the dairy business. Some are talking about leaving the state of New York. Some are talking about downsizing. Some are talking about um, adoption of technology. And others, of course, are saying we'll figure out how to navigate this over the 10 years. So, so I think if farms across the country want to support us, they should send a message to our governor to talk about how important New York agriculture is, not only to New Yorkers, but to, to other um, other consumers across the country. That's great advice, Tanya. We appreciate everything that you're doing and the fight in this and see, I think it's quite easy to see how important it is that this is not just a New York issue. This is an issue that can affect agricultural producers across the entire United States. This wraps up our Bova News podcast for today. If you like what you heard, be sure to follow Bova News on your favorite podcast subscription service. And while you're at it, follow us on the various social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube page. Be sure to check out our website, bovanews.com, for more information and alerts to upcoming podcasts and webinars. This has been your host, Kim Bremer, and from everyone at Bova News, have a great day.